Xbox On. Welcome to Xbox On, a podcast with one host about one console, Xbox. I'm said host, Jesse DeRosa, and on today's episode, we'll be talking about the latest Xbox news for the week of May 12th, 2022, including Xbox is taking heat for their DRM policy again, Gotham Knights is no longer coming to Xbox One consoles, EA may be teasing a new major IP, and more. Welcome to episode 153 of the Xbox on podcast and for this week in Xbox or rather this uh, this day in Xbox gaming history in the year 2005 Forza Motorsport the original Forza Motorsport released on the original Xbox in Japan. You guys, thank you for all being here today. Excited for another week of I, I don't know. I'm trying to I'm still something I've been wrestling with. I don't know what niche Xbox on really serves in the Xbox ecosystem, it is, or in the Xbox podcasting sphere, it is neither the most informative, nor uh, the most comprehensive, or the most juicy as far as insider details or or, or news breaking information. It, it has not the best amount of humor. It has possibly the most rambling and and off topic uh, shenanigans. So I guess that's. I mean, that's the. That's the catch, guys. But anyway, apparently someone's listening because this week we just hit our 920 subscriber mark on YouTube. So thank you guys for that. And of course, podcast is growing on Spotify, all the other services, uh, Apple, iTunes, whatever. Guys, we're not here to plug. I'm just here to say welcome this week and thank you for supporting the show. Now, let's jump into a fun, uh, I mean, episode 153. I mean, we got 152 episodes to top, man. Fun, exciting, exhilarating. Uh, breathtaking we've got tom cruise in the corner here he's ready to do a fucking amazing stunt which i'm now realizing was a big mistake because i do not do a video version of this podcast yet i've paid a ton of fucking money to this man you would not believe how expensive tom cruise is uh and uh anyway whatever so i look forward to that but let's start off today's show with our corrections our updates our stories of mild amusement as we do each and every week and uh, we'll we'll use that as a way to kind of ease into the mood, turn our brains into absolute mush, and uh, use that to propel us into a, a week full of Xbox-related discussion. Now, guys, this is an unprecedented situation. You, you're thinking probably at this point, you've probably been trained, your Pavlovian brain is like, oh God, I hear Jesse's voice on a Thursday, and he's probably about to tell me about all the bad things Activision's doing. Guys... We don't have an Activision update this week. I don't have to start out the updates section of the news by telling you about the latest development on either A, the acquisition of Activision by Microsoft, or B, and more commonly, the ongoing lawsuits and and litigations revolving uh, harassment in the workplace. So, hey... Fuck, man, this is awesome. Maybe maybe no news is good news in this situation. Hopefully, I don't know. It's either that or Bobby Kotick is like fucking resting, resting in his coffin, waiting for the night to fall so he can come out because he's a fucking vampire. I don't know. Who knows? But speaking of, since, since we can't talk about Activision, let's talk about basically the alternative to Activision, the, 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 the other major video game publisher that everyone just hates all the time. So FIFA 
which is published by EA or developed and published by EA. Hey, listen, let's talk about FIFA. So we've been talking for, oh man, it's been like almost a year since these these rumors started to percolate, right? Where EA is considering getting rid of the FIFA brand name altogether with, uh, with or the FIFA, the FIFA license altogether with the popular FIFA um, soccer series. Obviously, one of the most popular games in the entire world, one of the best-selling games by far every single year. They have officially announced that they're parting ways with FIFA on the licensing and branding of, of their soccer series and that... Going forward, or not starting this year, it starts next year because due to contractual agreements, they this year's game is still going to be FIFA. But beginning next year in 2023, the series will now officially be known as EA Sports FC, which many of you might recall was the um, name that had been leaked and rumored. So, of course, that, you know, not like that was a big sexy leak or anything that like, oh, wow, what, what are they going to name FIFA? Um, whatever, EA Sports FC. It's a serviceable name. It's a fitting name. I don't know what the fuck it means, but I think it makes perfect sense because it sounds like a game that sells millions of copies that I don't play, and that's what FIFA is. Hey, so after nearly 30 years, that's a massive, massive chunk of news, and I know uh, a lot of you out there listening are much like myself in that, you know, hardcore gamers, we don't play sports games. Madden, FIFA, that's for those casual noobs. We like to play real games like Warhammer 75,000 and Marvel's Avengers, which... Uh, isn't doing it, it lost lost Square Enix a lot of money I don't know but we don't play FIFA well we're not really indicative of the whole picture because FIFA is quite a massive fucking game so this is, this is huge news for the industry also I do find this story quite compelling despite the fact that I don't care about the FIFA uh, video game franchise to be to be clear let me just read this excerpt from VGC which says after FIFA's 23 releases later this year EA will begin a new era starting in July of next year 2023 with the introduction of EA Sports FC the game publisher announced this week the company insists that despite the losing the FIFA brand the games will not change that much thanks to over 300 licensing deals in the game which will lead to the greatest experiences modes leagues tournaments clubs and athletes that will still be included in EA Sports FC, which means get ready for lots of what is that brand? Fila. I always see it on people's feet. I don't fucking know what that means. They got Nike, so you got all the sweatshop kids still making all the all the video game characters' clothes. You probably got steak from steak from Jake Farm in there. That's that sounds right. Uh, you probably got I don't know Adidas and probably Bad Bunny because he just pops up in everything these days. I don't know. They'll have all those things licensed in the game. So even though you're not going to have the FIFA branding, it's still going to very much feel like the FIFA experience you're familiar with. Uh, But it will save EA a lot of money, and it will be a middle-fingered FIFA, which is kind of cool because FIFA sucks. But hey, let's read the statement that was uh, paired along with the announcement. So in their own uh, statement regarding the split with FIFA, EA will now allow the launch of a new football game to be developed with third-party studios and publishers providing more choice, as they say, for football fans and gaming fans. and will lead to FIFA, or sorry, in the lead-up to the FIFA World Cup 2022 and FIFA's Women's World Cup in Australia and New Zealand in 2023. Now, president of FIFA Gianni Infantino, which is probably Italian for meatball sausage cuck. Uh, the only games carrying its official license, he said, will be credible to football fans going forward. He goes, quote, 
and he says it in a New York Italian accent, despite the fact that he's Italian. Italian. He says, he says, I can assure you, I'm not going to try to do it because that's racist. Okay, last name like the Rosa, I can't be going around doing fake Italian accents. That's fucking racist. But he says, uh, I quote, I can assure you that only the authentic, real game that has the FIFA name will be the best one available for gamers uh, and football fans. He said, end quote. And then he ate a pizza. After eating a whole pizza, he broke again and then continued. The FIFA name is only is the only global original title. FIFA 23, FIFA 24, 25, and 26, and so on. The constant is that the FIFA name, and it will remain the best forever. I, I, he's speaking Italian, so it's a little mumbled here. But the point he's trying to get at, and this is the dumbest fucking point. You can tell how bitter he sounds in, in, in this quote. He's basically saying the best football game on the market, and football fans and game gaming fans will know this, is whatever game carries the FIFA name, whether it's FIFA 22, 23, 24, 25, etc. is what he's saying. That will be the best FIFA game. I, I love what a fucking... I, I, maybe the sentiment is different from the way this comes off, but as someone who doesn't really give a shit about the FIFA brand and thinks it can go fuck itself, it doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of anything in the world, uh, it, it's, it's so fun. Funny to me to see this quote because he's saying the quality of the game doesn't matter. The publisher behind the game doesn't matter. Uh, the time and the labor and the creativity and the intent of the product is irrelevant. What matters is the name on the box. And so if the game is better than a game called FIFA and it's called EA Sports FC or whatever, uh, it's going to be a worse game because it will not carry the FIFA name, which is just the dumbest fucking shit I've ever heard because... What the fuck does I mean? Think about uh, God. Like we don't even have to have this discussion. This there's no there's no nece- no one would argue against this. Like I don't know why anyone would even make this statement to begin with because no one would argue that the name is what makes something good. It's there's got to be quality behind it, man. That we we just saw Marvel's Avengers vastly underperform because the game wasn't anything people gave a shit about, despite the fact that it had all the characters that were just in a, like the biggest movie of all time. So guess what? Fuck you. The name isn't everything. So I, I don't know. This makes me kind of happy. Obviously, for, for EA, this is just a glorified way for them to save a lot of fucking money. And they're smart to do so because I think this will ultimately work out in their favor. Um, and normally, I, I, I wouldn't be so celebratory of like, ooh, a big corporation is going to have even more billions and billions of dollars or whatever the fuck this results in for them. But or I guess it'd be millions. But, you know, I, I like this because the. Because FIFA sucks as an organization, so it's funny to see a middle finger pointed to them. Also, I, I like this split from from the reliance of a brand, even if it is kind of ultimately a, a, a mood point, just because this game, like any sports title, is entirely re, you know re, um, dependent on its licenses, but usually that has more to do with like clothing brands and, of course, players and stadiums and teams and shit like that. So as long as it has that stuff, who gives a shit? The only thing I can think is that, yeah, this is probably going to cause some consternation for a little bit just with confused casual players where there's going to be like, ah, what is this EA FC sport? What happened to FIFA? You know, there might be like a weird one or one to three year like wonky period of of people trying to figure out like, oh, what's this game? What's that game? Listen, EA are smart. They have their bean counters and their analysts doing the math, doing the numbers, and and they have the data and the research and the confidence to know that, yeah, I'm sure there will be some confused players, but for the most part, audiences will quickly pick up that the same fucking FIFA game they've been buying for 30 goddamn years is, is now called EA Sports FC because it looks and plays and feels like this product, not that product. So, you know, um, 
who is it? Konami with what? What is Konami's new soccer game called? I I I feel stupid for blanking on it. But whatever that soccer game they they came out with like a year ago, that's like a mobile game on PlayStation and Xbox. Like that, people are gonna play that and immediately know, even if they get like the the licensing from FIFA to start using on that game, which would be a huge win for Konami. It's like people are gonna catch on that like this this isn't FIFA. This isn't the FIFA I used to play. This looks and feels and is different. See that little Guido Italian man, Mr. Gianni G- Gianni Infantino. Don't you see? People care about more than the name, you tiny bitch. All right, so that's that's the update on FIFA. We can stop talking about that. Soccer fans, rejoice. And uh, moving on, talking about non-sports-related things, because let's be honest, if you listen to Xbox On, chances are you are extremely out of shape because apparently all we care about is uh, Halo and Taco Bell, and there's just no way you can be an active soccer fan if that's if that's what your hobbies include. But uh, prove me wrong, I don't fucking know. All right, VGC, let's talk about... This interesting development regarding Sony's console sales of PlayStations and how we can use this data to glean on to what's been happening with Xbox sales recently. Now, of course, as you may recall, we've been talking about for the past couple months how Xbox continues to be like the best-selling platform month over month, uh, especially in, in the UK and parts of Europe, which is odd and unusual. And we're seeing how Xbox is doing better and better and better all the time, outselling PlayStation. What the fuck's going on? Well, here's the story. I should put some of that into context, proving my point that these sales have a lot more to do with supply than than demand, have a lot more to do with uh, capped supply than uncapped supply, because people be like, oh, Xbox is selling more, that means Xbox is better than PlayStation. Well, look at these sales, look at at this. So our boys over gamesindustry.biz show that sales of Sony's consoles were up 59% over... uh, over March's total due to significant increase in stock. So they were able to push more PS4s and PS5s into store shelves uh, throughout March, which led to a significant jump in sales, pushed it over the Xbox sales for the month. However, PS5 sales in general are down 51% uh, compared to last year, last March in 2021. Of course, we know that um, console sales have been rough all around in terms of you know, not being able to be what they could be due to supply issues. So we saw Xbox's numbers drop significantly in April and fell uh, into the third place. So behind Nintendo and behind Sony. Switch remained in second place following a slight decline in sales. Of course, Switches are easier to produce and get out due due to older tech, but still there's a lot of supply and production um, constraints surrounding even Nintendo's hardware. So the total console sales in in the month of April were down 38% year to date mainly due to PS5 and Xbox stock shortages, but PlayStation was able to get a relative stock surge uh, for the month of March, which helped them surpass the... Anyway, and then there's this quote from Nintendo's president that kind of encapsulates the whole thing, the whole situation that all these brands are in right now, which is, there's no end in sight for the semiconductor shortage at this point, and they don't foresee this ending anytime in the next year, which was the original analyst suggested uh, time frame sometime in 2023 well now they're saying we don't fucking know and so i just think this is important because a lot you know a lot of the discussion has been oh i don't know maybe xbox is going to outsell playstation this generation look at these sales but keep in mind for whatever reason it may be xbox has been able to get more hardware onto store shelves than playstation and that's why they've been able to have impressive sales post these impressive sales now of course if there are uncapped supply of all these consoles, Xbox Series consoles would be still selling extraordinarily well. They just wouldn't be touching PlayStation sales. But 
I, I, I think this has my, my theory still without any more specific evidence or, or data is still that the Xbox Series S must be a lot easier to get out the door despite despite the constraints similar to like the Nintendo Switch where it's like slightly more dated hardware um, and therefore it's easier for them to get the parts necessary to build those so they can get more switches out the door more Xbox Series S's out the door the problem the really really hard hard one to get out the door is the PlayStation 5 and the Xbox Series X and because PlayStation 5 doesn't have a less powerful cheaper skew like Xbox does with Series S like Nintendo does with Nintendo Switch because you know, whatever. Um, it, it makes it a little harder for PlayStation to compete with those sales. Now, that being said, we have seen Sony start to continue support in, in supply uh, or um, or um, uh, the, the production of PlayStation 4s ju- just to have more consoles on shelves. So that that is kind of their response to all this. And, and if you guys follow PlayStation news, we've been seeing PlayStation talk more and more about how they're trying to support older hardware with newer games. So more examples of like the new horizon game that came out a few months ago that is available on ps5 and ps4 um i i think that is a not in the case of that game specifically but in general doing more of that committing to do more of that is a response to this market where it's like dude we can't get as many ps5s out into the market as we'd like to so we have to continue to support the ps4 because that's where a majority of the player base is and we can't get a majority of that player base to the ps5 because we can't make ps5 Obviously, that's a problem Xbox doesn't have to have to face really, because their whole thing is, yeah, all these games work on all these consoles. You can play play it on your Xbox One, play it on your Xbox Series S or X, play it on your PC, play it on your iPhone. I don't give a shit. Do what you got to do. So it's not really an issue for Xbox, but for PlayStation, this is this is a massive pivot and a massive change in their market strategy they have to make as you know as a result of what's going on with the semiconductor sh- uh, shortage and the chip shortage and just production pipeline issues. So interesting stuff, man, but a little more perspective nonetheless, not to burst the bubble of Xbox fans, but I just want to be, let's try to be rational and honest about what's going on here and not just be fanboys like, yeah, we're winning. Cause we green. All right, guys, let's talk about classic maps coming to halo infinite. If that were a possibility, if it's a possibility now, VGC relays that Joseph Staten, the head of creativity at for halo infinite head of creative, whatever the fuck that means, uh, tease that classic maps could potentially come to Halo Infinite in the future. He was on the Kind of Funny X-Cast this past week uh, and, and was interviewed by the, the podcast team there. Now, I haven't listened to Kind of Funny in so many goddamn years. I have no idea what their shows are even like these years or these days. What do, you, what do I mean these years? But what, when he was asked, well, he was asked during the podcast if 343 had potentially considered adding classic Halo maps to Halo Infinite as as a buffer between new content drops since, you know, we're looking at fucking eight months between seasons two and three uh, with one map to, to tide us over. So anyway, so he was asked about that and Satan replies with a very, un, you know, unexciting but just enough to make it newsworthy response of there are a lot of maps that are awesome. I think it would be awesome to play those maps again. Don't you think, guys? Don't you, or don't you guys? Uh, that sounds like a fun thing. I'll mark that in my notebook. So I didn't listen to the podcast, so I don't know the tone in which he said that in. But boy, that's that sure sounds like a whatever. I won't say it. Uh, but anyway, so uh, I, I don't know, man. So the, I guess the thing I want to say here is this is hardly newsworthy, just because it is just like a wow. You really think that'd be cool? Wink and a nod. Old maps are fun to play. Uh, but no, I, I think this is a great idea. Um, I think this is something that they should be actively pursuing. I don't know if this is like work you could outsource to certain affinity or a different 
uh, team that you could hire to, to kind of be like, hey, guys, why don't you go through Halo 2, Halo 3, Halo 5, uh, pick out like some of the most iconic fucking maps from these games that players just loved and uh, work on Halo Infinite ports for them. And that would be a great way to get some fucking content into, you know, you know like wouldn't, wouldn't it be awesome that they're like, in addition to every season of Halo Infinite coming with just one new map and a bunch of cosmetics you don't give a shit about and a hundred tier battle pass that's not fun to work towards, uh, we also are going to launch, you know, once a month, every month uh, this year, uh, a, a one new remastered classic Halo map or something. Maybe you don't want to do that many just because then you run the risk of Halo Infinite being just as much of a, you know, Master Chief Collection homage re-release of old content as it is a, a new proper Halo game. But, you know, get, throw in a couple spices there. Maybe a map from Halo 2, a map from Halo 3, a map from Halo 4 and 5. I don't know. That'd be, that'd be a cool idea. I love this. Uh, I feel like this is such an obvious thing to suggest and to do. There's no way they haven't thought about this at Halo, at, at, uh, at uh, sorry, at 343. Now, the only other reason why I even brought this piece into the top of the show just to even amuse about is just because kind of funny over the years. Again, I don't really, I used to follow these guys religiously back when they started in like 2015 for the first couple of years before they threw Colin Moriarty under the bus. And that that's kind of when I left. So I understand kind of funny has changed quite significantly. The people who work there, the content they make. So I don't claim to know what they're about anymore, but the impression I get, and keep in mind, I'm, I'm biased. I'm, I'm, I'm team Colin Moriarty, but I, the impression I get from years of no longer following them and just kind of seeing, but seeing from an outsider's perspective, what they are up to, they seem like a very PR kind of organized or focused um, content creation team of like, you know, we work with publishers, we work with developers, we work in the industry with the PR teams and shit. So they're less of the, and I don't, I don't mean this as a slight to them, just to be clear. I, I just mean this observationally. They just seem to be like kind of that content creation cre- team that's like, we know all the shit that's going on behind the scenes in the industry, and we are kind of working with publishers and, and developers and in and, and companies to do like, not necessarily like paid promotion, but like kind of like wink and a nod, serve their narrative in a way, just because when you're, you know, like if you're buddy-buddy with big publishers and PR people and shit like that, like... You, you just have a, a wealth of knowledge and and a kind of affinity for that side of the industry. So, there you know, there are a lot of YouTubers, a lot of podcasters out there who are chummy with, you know, the PR side of things. And I don't know. It's the same way in any industry, right? Like, there are plenty of Disney fan websites and YouTube channels out there that just go around telling you everything at Disney is amazing and you should go book the most expensive vacation ever because Disney sometimes pays them to go out and do really cool things for free, right? So it's, it's the same kind of thing. I get that vibe from kind of funny a lot these days where it's like they're working with this publisher. They're working with this PR team to kind of say the thing. So in a way, I, I, I can't tell if this is like, oh, that's actually a really cool idea. I'm glad kind of funny brought that up. And I think that would be a great idea. And they should do that for Halo Infinite. Or if this is like a really like savvy, clever, like PR way to slowly introduce into this audience uh, the idea of like, oh, what if we did this? So let's see how audiences react. So I don't know. Maybe it's a little too tinfoil hat or overanalyzing the situation, but um, fuck it. I'm stupid. This is what we do. Uh, I already told you at the top of the show, this isn't the best Xbox podcast out there. What the fuck are you doing? Put down your nacho fries, touch your phone with your greasy ass fingers, and swipe on over to a different podcast right now, you motherfucker. Okay, so next story here. Last little wrap-up before, actually, two little wrap-ups before we get out of the 
opening updates, stories of mild amusement and whatnot, and into the interesting, sexy comments that you guys leave each and every week, as well as proper news stories. I don't even want to read this excerpt. I just want to mention this lightly. I guess this is Activision related, but it's Call of Duty. It's not it's not lawsuit and sexual harassment. So Activision spoke during their quarterly earnings call this week about uh, Vanguard's um, lackluster performance or and keep in mind when I say lackluster, I mean best-selling game of the year, but undersold compared to other Call of Duties. But they, they basically decided that the game didn't perform the way they hoped it would and, and has had a relative to other Call of Duty kind of lackluster uh, sales sales run and, and kind of reception run due to the World War II setting being not popular with players and the lack of innovation and what that had on sales. Now, I think the lack of innovation is bullshit because, honestly... In Vanguard's defense, and Vanguard's far from my favorite Call of Duty game, but in Vanguard's defense, that game has just as much innovation to it as any of the last few Call of Duties for the most part. It's it, it, What it does for its multiplayer, it's pretty innovative. I don't care what anyone says. Blitz mode changes the game. But aside from that, yes, I get it. The World War II thing, they're throwing the World War II setting under the bus for it. But at the same time, it's like, guys, you fucking greenlit this property. Like, you... I'm tr- I'm trying to think because the last World War II game they did with Call of Duty was World War II in 2017, which was also developed by Sledgehammer. And as you'll remember, that at the time that was the first time they were doing a World War II Call of Duty since 2008's World at War, which was of course the best Call of Duty of all time, as we all know. And so at the time, that was a nine-year gap between World War II Call of Duties. They were very certain that, like, yes, the market is ready for this. After so many future warfare games and modern warfare games, the market is ready for us to go back to World War II because it's going to seem fresh at this point. And what we learned with Call of Duty World War II, uh, based on how that game was received, eh, it, it did well. It sold very well. It's Call of Duty. People liked it just fine, but, like... It didn't reignite the spark to go back to World War II for these shooter games. If any game even remotely did that, it was actually Battlefield 1 with the World War 1 setting they did. But that's not because they went to World War 1. That's because Battlefield 1 was genuinely a great game. There's a difference here. Because Call of Duty World War II, I played it. That was, the la- that was the last Call of Duty game I played for a little while, and then I took a break and came back a few years later. World War II sucked. I wanted to like that game. I want As a World at War diehard fan, I was like, Fucking classic Nazi zombies, a cool World War II, like, brutal story, some more simplistic, straightforward, classic Call of Duty multiplayer. Every vertical of Call of Duty World War II sucked. The game sucked. And the World War II setting was not the reason. So, I, I just don't buy... Let me let me just wrap this up and make it simple, because I don't want to linger on Call of Duty. We talk about it too much. If Treyarch... If you got the A-team at Treyarch, the guys who made... Black Ops, World at War, Black Ops 2, those guys. If you got that core team just to reignite the fire, get the team back together, the band back together, whatever. If you got those guys together and gave them a, a, a gazillion dollars, as Activision would say, and just said, fuck off for three or four years and go make a fucking stellar Call of Duty World War II game again. I'm telling you, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not inferring or guessing or betting i'm telling you for a fact they would come back with the fucking coolest call of duty we've seen in so many years and it would be awesome it's not the world war ii setting it is the lack of and i get i guess maybe this is innovation maybe this is what they mean by innovation is just by doing it right because i played the campaign for vanguard it sucked the characters all fucking suck the story is lame as shit. Like the the skins suck, the character art sucks, the character backgrounds for all your contractors or whatever they call them in multiplayer all suck. Like that's the kind of shit that sucks. It's just a very like Sledgehammer have proven yet again that they cannot make interesting characters, that they cannot make 
So that that's the problem with Vanguard. But I I, I hate that because Sledgehammer is the only developer that's done the World War II thing in the past decade plus. Now Activision is going to be completely sh a scared shitless of going back to World War II. And that shouldn't be the case. World War II shouldn't be feared. It should. It, it, if anything, it's it's still the opportunity is still there to make a good World War II game. The problem is between Dice with Battlefield Five, Sledgehammer with Call of Duty World War II, and now Call of Duty Vanguard. Everyone is botching the opportunity to make a truly next. I, okay, I'll, I'll give Activision this. Let me let me use their word: a truly innovative and inspired World War II experience. I, I said Vanguard was innovative because, well, I, th I think its multiplayer is quite good and quite fun, and the ways they changed the modes and the matchmaking, I think, are for the better. But I don't know, man. I, I just refuse to believe that you can't get a team together that can make a, a truly awesome 2022 World War II-related shooter, whatever. But, uh, I, I listen, I know people are tired of World War II, but, again, it's like it's because you got to show them. That, that they want World War II. I didn't want another fucking Modern Warfare game in 2019. I thought the idea of rebooting Modern Warfare 2... Modern Warfare 2019 was dumb. I, I was already tired of Modern Warfare... Modern Warfare as a setting. I've always thought Modern Warfare is the worst setting because it's just gray and brown and desert and dry and sad and combat looking. But fuck, man. Like, Modern Warfare 2019 was such a good game that I don't care. And I think the same could be done with World War II, but whatever. We're not a Call of Duty podcast, despite the fact that all I ever do is talk about, I feel like, Call of Duty and Halo right now. It's like a podcast for 13-year-old Jesse. I'm so sorry, guys. Last little note to put on this before we move on to the comments. Guys, Jeff Keighley have an, has announced the details for this summer's uh, Summer Game Fest event, which is basically E3's replacement. It ha it's it, Jeff Keighley, the Summer Game Fest. It's basically just the Game Awards, but for the summertime. And instead of having awards, it's just announcements. Um, this was the thing they did last summer. It was quite successful. Basically just replaced E3 since E3 is more or less gone. But the Game Awards will take place this summer again from on June 9th. Or, sorry, the the cross-industry game showcase, the big showcase, will be on Thursday, June 9th at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, but the games, the Game Awards, or sorry, rather, the, the Summer Game Fest in totality, like all of its event, will be like a three-day event, I believe. But, you know, the, the big show with all the announcements and trailers and shit will be on June 9th. So mark your calendars. It's always right next to Xbox's presentation. So uh, no surprise there. Just a couple weeks away from learning lots and lots about new and exciting games. So that's awesome. But, guys, that's going to do it for all of our opening segments as we hit the 30-minute mark. Let's transition over to comments and start out with that shit. Guys, you know how it goes. You go over to YouTube.com slash Xbox Home Podcast. I had to think about it for a second. Mr. Maggie will get to you. And then you leave a comment. You say something on the latest episode of the podcast, because if you're leaving a, a, a comment on episode 17, you're not cute. No one thinks you're funny. I'm probably going to shadow ban you because I have that authority now. Elon Musk has given me a lot of power with Twitter going forward. But no, leave a comment on the latest episode of the show. Say something really nice like, Jesse, um, congratulations on the fact that you drank four bottles of water today. I fully expect you to have some of the clearest piss I've ever seen. It's going to look great. It's probably not even going to smell that bad in your toilet bowl. Shout out to you. Might not even want to flush the toilet because what's the point? It's just going to look like toilet water. It will be that clear. And I'll be like, whoa, someone's paying attention to my new my new water drinking habits, and I appreciate and I admire you. I see you. Thank you. Or you can say something totally mean to me. You can say, Jesse, I'm going to self-censor myself because I'm usually so mean to you, but today I just want to be on opposite day and do nice thing to you. So, Jesse... I like the way um, 
your armpits have hair underneath, which protects uh, bad bacteria from getting into your skin pores and, 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 and causing illness to you or whatever the fuck armpit hair was designed to do. I don't know what kind of shit God was smoking when he was like, yeah, put hair all in between their torsos and their arms. I want it everywhere. And his angels were like, God, are you sure you want to make them that hairy? And he was like, oh, did I fucking stutter? I said more armpit hair. But, you know, modern man, modern medicine, I trim that shit. So don't leave that comment. Our first comment this week comes from none other than Mr. Miggy, whose profile picture is still that that iconic Xbox Series X image, but the Xbox Series X has been replaced with SpongeBob. Mr. Miggy, time to update the profile picture. I want I want to see your new profile picture be a 2022 Subaru BRZ. I want that limited trim, that's that World Rally blue paint. Give me that those 18-inch wheels. Show me something sweet, Mr. Miggy. Okay. He says, hey, Jesse, have you been continuing, have you continued watching the Halo TV show on Paramount Plus? Not sponsored, I swear. Also, is it bad that I still type in second best gaming to find you on YouTube? Well, Mr. Miggy, yes, I'm still watching the Halo TV show. I just finished episode five yesterday, so I am a little bit behind on it. But yeah, I mean, it, eh. how are you liking it, Mr. Miggy? I'll, I'll be honest. I thought episode one, I was like, OK, this is cool. Episode two, I was like, OK, I'll keep watching. And then episodes three and four, I was like, OK, this is really boring. And then episode five kind of got interesting again, and now I'm like kind of back into it. But I don't know. My whole thing on the Halo show is it's like as its own separate sci-fi related independent TV show. I'm enjoying it. I like sci-fi. I think it's fun. I think the show generally looks pretty decent, and I think it's like interesting enough as its own separate, unrelated to the proper Halo universe. I'm enjoying it. Um, but by comparison of the games, I think the story and the characters completely pale in comparison. Um, I, I vastly prefer the video games, but shocker, no one expected the, the, the TV show to be better than the games anyway. Uh, I, I think it's fun. I think it's interesting. I'm, I'm just, uh, it's novelty is starting to wear a little thin. I don't know. I feel like the live action shit sometimes looks a little cheap. Sometimes I wish we saw less of Master Chief's butt, you know, that kind of stuff. But it's, it's a fun show. I'm, I'm glad they made it. I'm having a good time watching it. I will continue to see it through till the end. At which point I will cancel my Paramount subscription and then resubscribe next year when season two comes out because uh, I don't give a shit about Paramount Plus. But yeah, it's, it's it's a fun show. I'm glad it exists. I'm glad people seem to be mostly enjoying it. Let me know what you think about it, Mr. Mickey. But to, to, to address your other thing, you say, is it bad that you still look me up on YouTube under Second Best Gaming, which was my channel's old name back in the day? No, Mr. Mickey, here's the thing is it's not necessarily bad that you're searching me up with the wrong name. It's bad that you're searching me in general because you should be subscribed and hitting that goddamn bell so you see my fucking podcast every week when it come out and you'd be opening your YouTube app on your iPhone 7 Plus and it'd be all, hey, here's the latest episode. Don't need to search nothing. We got it on the fucking homepage for you. So the fact that you're looking me up means you're not subscribed. Ain't no bell being pressed. And if you don't hit my bell on YouTube, I ain't hitting your Taco Bell, which means your fucking Taco Bell will close down. I will infest it with cockroaches and then call the health inspector and have him shut it down so you have no access to Crunchwrap Supremes and you you will atone for your sins uh, in that manner. So do me a favor, hit that bell, baby. Now, fun. I don't know why I, comment, I, I headed the next comment. I just titled it fun. But Objects in Space writes in and says... What's an example of a game you disliked but later came back to and really enjoyed? Mine is Assassin's Creed Odyssey. When it first came out, I thought it was too grindy, checkboxy, quickly lost interest. I still think that's the case, but seeing as I was looking forward to the next-gen version of Witcher 3, and that got delayed indefinitely, I needed an RPG to sink myself into. To my surprise, I'm enjoying it this time around. 
Also, I know it's primarily a food slash Kronky related podcast, and so I think we might need we might be breaking some new ground on topic here. But after months of trying to decide if it's worth wasting a whole bunch of money, I finally caved in and bought some Lego. Specifically, Lego Hogwarts Castle. It's insanely overpriced, but I can justify how satisfying it is to be able to watch it switch off and mindlessly build. I oh sorry. I can justify how satisfying it is just being able to switch off and mindlessly build blocks for hours. You need a break from gaming. It's a great alternative. Or if you need a break from gaming. Objects in space, great comment. Sorry I butchered it because I can't read. But listen, first of all, got to say, I think everyone has an example of a game that they played or saw and were like, this is not my game, fuck this game, and then went away and then one day came back to me and were like, Suddenly, this is my game. What was wrong with me before? Did I have SIDS? I love this game now. Of course, I think my most famous example, or at least in the time that I've been doing this podcast, has definitely been Skyrim, a game that I wrote off from the moment my brother first started playing Morrowind back on the OG Xbox. And then, I don't know what happened. Last year, I was just like, well, now that Xbox owns Bethesda, I guess I should become a blind fanboy for Elder Scrolls. So I downloaded the game. I got some weird, hun- uh, some weird, some weird itch to just try it out. And despite the fact that I hate fantasy settings, I hate knights and dragons, I hate magic and elves, I hate all the fucking pixie dust, butt-sniffing, fucking black plague-infested, ancient Roman Europe, not Roman, but, you you know, uh, medieval Europe bullshit, despite the fact that I generally hate everything about all that, I don't like RPGs, any of these things, I fell in love with Skyrim. I I think it's a great game, and I have to eat a lot of dirt. I had to eat. I had to eat a lot of crow. Is that how the saying goes? I eat a lot of crow on that. I don't don't understand the etymology of that that phrase. But yeah, I, I was so completely wrong. Skyrim is an awesome game. It deserves all the stupid fucking overhype, endless people talking about it, re release, re release, re release. People just playing it endlessly for ten years, kind of bullshit. It deserves all of it. It's a really, really great game. And yes, it has its issues and it has aged poorly in some ways, but the game is so stupid and so fun and so captivating and so and so just interesting that I don't know, generally I can't stand games that like set you loose and are like, go make your own adventure or play whatever quest line you want or figure it all out or go work on unlocking this or buying this or crafting that or doing this quest line. Generally that kind of shit just turns me off so much. But in Elder Scrolls it's so... It's just so approachable and action-oriented, but still so deep when you want it to be. It can be very friendly to newcomers and very intricate when you want it to be. And and I find that so. I don't know. I find that I find that to be so inviting. And and the thing that really gets me the most is, I've always assumed I would love the Fallout games because it's just Elder Scrolls, but with a setting that I find way more interesting. I love the Fallout world. I think it's so cool looking. I think the concept of that story and that world is so cool. But every time I've ever tried to play a Fallout game, I, I can't I can't get through one. I got maybe halfway through Fallout 4 was the most I've ever done. I've started Fallout 3 like 100 times. I've started New Vegas once or twice. I just can't get into Fallout, but for some reason Skyrim did it for me. I don't know why. It, sh- it doesn't make sense. It shouldn't make sense. But just like your Assassin's Creed story, it, it happens, man. But it's always cool when it happens because then your horizons are broadened a little bit. You enjoy something you otherwise wouldn't have, and you, you learn a little bit more about yourself. Isn't that fun? But, uh, yeah, cool. And, uh, and as for your your newfound love of Lego, dude, that's awesome. Good for you, man. Um, that, that Lego Hogwarts castle is a massive set. They, do they have tons of those now where they're like these licensed sets? So like build, I don't know, it's like fucking Hogwarts or Avengers Tower or the fucking Cinderella Castle from Disney or something like that. And they'll charge you like three or four hundred goddamn dollars for that set. 
and you're like, I know I'm being insanely ripped off in buying this. I'm paying 90% for a license, 10% for plastic bricks, and then it's fun anyway. So, dude, if you're having a good time with it, that's awesome. I'm sure there. I I, I, I I do love Lego. I haven't I haven't bought a Lego set in many years. Um, the last time I was tempted to buy a Lego set was when they did that limited release Tron Legacy set, but I did not do it. I did not cave in. Um, but no, Lego are awesome, and yes, you're absolutely right. You need things that are hobbies, interests, fun ways to pass the time that are a break from video games. I have many, 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 many of those, and I love them all dearly. So, absolutely, diversify your interests and your hobbies. The more you do so, I think the more the more satisfying life will be. So, objects in space. Thank you for writing in. Hope you're having a great week. And please, for the love of God, if you happen to be the health inspector at Mr. Miggy's nearest Taco Bell. Do not pass them. I'm telling you, he's in timeout. He has to hit the bell for notifications. Do not fucking give him a passing grade. You hear me? All right, let's talk about Square Enix because that's what most people wrote about. We talked about Square Enix being dumbasses, selling off all, all, all these Tomb Raider guys to the guys that do embracing. Uh, embracing is like this thing that most of us wish our fathers would do, but our fathers don't actually do that because they're cold and hearted. Uh, anyway, Square Enix, Jay Comatose writes in again because he's like, hey, I'm writing in, and I'm like, okay. I'm going to read your comment because I'm desperate for attention. It says, sunk cost fallacy. Listen to this, boys and girls. Sunk cost fallacy, a phenomenon whereby a person is reluctant to abandon a strategy or course of action because they have invested heavily in it, even when it is clear that abandonment would be more beneficial. This epitomizes skull and bones. In my opinion, Ubisoft... Oh, wait, I thought we were talking about Square Enix. Fuck it, we're talking about Ubisoft. In my opinion, this epitomizes Ubisoft. Uh, they should have scrapped their plans to make Skull and Bones a multiplayer game and instead and instead focus on an epic single-player open-world pirate game. I personally have lost interest in this game years ago. Shout to Mountain Dew for bringing exciting flavors, taking risks, and being fun. I tried Spicy Mountain Dew and thought it was very good, and you've never seen big. You'll never see Big Soda, aka Coke or Pepsi, trying fun things like that. Uh, newsflash, Jay Comatose. Big Soda, uh, Pe aka Pepsi. They own Mountain Dew, baby. That's right. That's right. Just fucking blue pilled. Is that red pilling or blue? Pill? I don't fucking know. I wonder if Microsoft would have ever been interested in acquiring Square Enix properties that Embracer just purchased. Perhaps they were. Perhaps they were, and they just skipped it because they were wrapped up in the Activision acquisition. Guess we'll never know, eh? Three hundred. You're not Canadian, are you? Uh, Three hundred miles is a drop in the bucket. Three hundred million. Not miles. 300 million is a drop in the bucket. Holy fuck, I can't read this week. Anyway, have a good week, and I look forward to the next pod. The next pod is, of course, Canadian for podcasts. They're not allowed to say cast because all their uh, TV production units are unionized, and so they don't identify as cast. So everything is just a pod, whether you're talking about a podcast or a sleeping capsule, which is what Canadians mostly sleep in. Um, and Jay Comentos, of course, you know this as a Canadian. I'm explaining this to our non-Canadian audience. Thank you for writing in. Now, I, I, I love this application of the sunk cost fallacy um, term to Skull and Bones, the IP, the game of Ubisoft that is never ever ever coming out because it's bullshit and it, it, it looks like one of those fucking auto-playing um, iPhone games that you download for free and it battles for you and then you get notified every 20 minutes that it's time to watch an ad for 20 golden gold doubloons or whatever the fuck they do um, but yes this game looks like shit and that doesn't mean it is shit I hope I'm wrong I hope it's great I hope people love it and buy it and Ubisoft makes tons of money and everyone becomes fucking pirate savant because they played it I don't care but the game looks terrible they announced it a million years ago it didn't look that great back then They've repurposed and rebuilt this game a million times. I think you're exactly right. They should have either A, shit and gotten off the pot with the old original plan for the game or scrapped it. Just announced, hey, we thought we were going to do this thing. It didn't work out. We're moving on. 
You know, they could have... Listen, they announced Beyond Good and Evil like 48 years ago. I wasn't even a fucking fetus in my mom when when they announced Beyond Good and Evil 2. And that game is absolute vaporware. It is never coming out. They made a bullshit CGI trailer to lie to people and tell them it was coming. And then they literally never talked about it again. That game is absolutely 100% without a doubt never coming out. And they could let that go. They just never talked about it. They, they, you know, they kind of admitted it's not coming out by never addressing it. Why don't you just do the same thing with Skull and Bones? Because it doesn't even look that good. Just, just fucking, just fucking go quiet on it. No one cares. There are enough things. Listen, we're trying to build Lego sets that cost three hundred dollars and vaguely resemble a, a blockier version of Hogwarts Castle. Can you please go away? We don't care about your skulls or your bones, okay? Uh, and then as for your your comments here on Scranix, I think this is a very interesting talking point. I don't know if I brought this up last week and you're elaborating on that, or if you're just bringing up a really great point. Uh, it almost sounds like I'm trying to take credit for your your idea here, so fuck me, I guess. Yeah, it, you, you do have to wonder, did Xbox have any intentions p- uh, of, of possibly... Did Square Enix shop these studios around? Did they, did they put a price tag on it and say, hey guys, they're up for grabs, uh, EA... Microsoft, Sony, uh, Embracer, Tencent, anybody you want to buy? Anybody interested in the guys that make Tomb Raider? It's like Uncharted, but with big boobies and really gruesome death animations. And everyone was just like, nah, I'll pass. Because I feel like this group of studios would have made a lot of sense with Team Xbox, especially a lot more sense than Activision. Um, If we're just talking about teams that work well with Xbox, that have somewhat of a history with Xbox, that kind of play into the games and the genres that Xbox lacks in terms of its game catalog, I feel like this would have made sense, right? And so immediately you got to think, well, if there was any pervied information on Microsoft's behalf of this potential sale, you would expect they would have jumped on it. So what got in the way? And obviously the, the initial knee-jerk reactions. Oh, they can't really do any big mergers and acquisitions gaming-related until this Activision stuff is done for, right? And I think that's a safe assumption. But at the same time, that just makes me think about Sony. And we'll get to that in Kronky's next comment. Let me just read it so we can talk about it together. Kronky says, Okay, I have a theory now. Sony is buying Square Enix. Sony is worried about the deal not going through regulatory uh, bodies because Sony is a behemoth of, of the gaming industry. So Square cut its ties outside of Japan so that Sony can buy them up and get the deal approved. But that's another interesting theory. It, I, I think it's it's a, it's, it's a bit much to be assuming, but... This kind of runs into this idea. There's a million things going on with this because I think both of these are interesting ideas. Why wouldn't Microsoft want to buy these guys? I don't know. You got to assume it's because Activision got in the way of things. But at the same time, it's like I, 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 I'm not... I, I'm not sure that that could be the thing to stop it because this is a much smaller acquisition. You wouldn't really have to worry about this being a difficult thing to get past or really getting in the way of Activision at all. It's no one's going to fight you on this if you're just trying to buy, you know, Crystal Dynamics and IDOS from from Square Enix. Um, but on but on the other hand, you think about Sony, and it's like, okay, th- in a way, it makes sense for Sony to be like, well, we're going to get a lot more, less shit, and it'll be a much easier purchase for us to buy Square Enix, which has been heavily rumored that that, that might be one of the targets Sony is looking at. Um, if it is a, an entirely Japanese-run operation, it's a little more condensed and straightforward with what it is and doesn't have all these other ties to other countries and other businesses and other other tendrils, right? But that doesn't make sense either because you're thinking, you know, for $300 million, that is nothing. I, I don't care what anyone says. I, I've seen people try to defend that this was a good price. No. $300 million for IDOS and and Crystal Dynamics and what, what IDOS, the, the other Square Enix uh, Canadian team or whatever, they got... 
with this plus 50 IP, a lot of which were, weren't disclosed, but you, you get fucking Tomb Raider and all this shit. And this is a steal of a price. I feel like they got some really good talent, especially when we're seeing this this era where the games industry is about consolidating talent more than anything right now. Teams are being bought for crazy amounts of money. Talent is being offered crazy deals to go work for other teams because talent is at a premium right now. In the games industry, you would think that Sony would have been like, well, no, Square Enix, we actually want those other teams because, you know, regardless of what they decide to do with those teams, they could have easily bought those, you know, bought all of this as part of Square Enix and been like, yeah, we're going to dissolve these teams and put them at this studio or make them work on this project or support for this, or maybe we'll sell them off ourselves. But I think it would have been more beneficial for Sony to have bought Square Enix as a whole, including Crystal Dynamics, and decided what to do from there than for them to have just bought Square Enix. Same thing. With Microsoft, you would have thought, well, they maybe maybe their hang-up was, I don't want to buy just part of you. I want to buy the whole damn thing. Uh, and then just part kind of made the deal less attractive, so they decided to focus their efforts on Activision and let that, that deal kind of pass up. I don't know, but either way... I, I'm, I'm standing by what I said last year, last year, last week. Embracer got an amazing deal here with Idos and Crystal. This is $300 million for the IP they got, the quantity of IP they got, the quality of talent they got, and, and the amount of studios they got. Three fucking studios, 50 IP, a handful of which are very iconic, and some super highly talented teams. Dude, Embracer got a fucking steal. Embracer is now officially the gods of the middle A, the double A and in, in entry level triple A kind of space. They got they got Crystal Dynamics, they got IDOS, they got Gearbox Software, all these teams. They own THQ Nordic and all these teams. They, they, they got Saints Row coming. They got fucking SpongeBob Truther Square. They got everything right now. They they have um, they have so what, I, I want to say Quicksilver, not Quicksilver, Deep Silver, um, which is gonna which is working on that Witcher Three remaster and all, all this shit. They have so many ties. They own so much talent. They own so many teams of all these varying degrees, from everything from Destroy All Humans all the way up to Lara Croft Tomb Raider. They have so much good shit right now, and they are seemingly one of the least threatening and scary of the conglomerates because they're just a publicly traded Swedish company that takes out a lot of loans and gets a lot of money from investors. You know, it's not just like, oh yeah, we're fucking communists and we're going to censor gay in Taiwan from video games. You know, they're not like Microsoft who are just like, yeah, we're going to use some uh, someone's fucking misfortunate uh, employee uh, uh, treatment story as an opportunity to fucking cash out or not cash out but rather buy you know buy up this massive fucking publisher it just seems like embracer is um kind of i don't want to say the good one because i'm not necessarily a fan for of any of this consolidation but they they seem to be the one that i i'm most excited for their involvement in the in this in this act of buying everything and i think they had the most potential to do the most good in reinvigorating the AA space and just having all these developers that have all these resources and all this opportunity to just make kind of whatever the fuck they want. I don't know. I'm, I'm excited about this one. I think I think it's cool shit. I don't know where Sony Microsoft fall in all this, but it is extremely interesting to think about how of all of all people, Embracer got them, and of all prices, three hundred fucking million dollars. What a steal! Now that's only half of Cronky's comment because he also said Ubisoft and Square are all companies chasing a Fortnite, and this is you know we're we're off of Square and now we're going back to Ubisoft. Ubisoft and Square, and all the companies chasing a Fortnite are kind of like the guy that buys NFTs because he hopes that one of them will explode in value. It's publishers doing a get rich quick scheme, and yes, you're entirely right. It is 
It is stupid. It is risky. It is something these companies can only do because they are extremely rich and they have tons and tons of capital and talent and they can invest and take the risk and lose on these things. But they just want to, they all want to hit gold, man. They all, they all want to just do the same fucking thing. They all want to make a Fortnite so they can kind of fuck off and coast and not do anything. Like you look at EA and it's like EA, I would argue EA is kind of making a little bit of comeback. They got some really cool shit in the way. I don't really care about Bioware so much because they, they're kind of dead to me at the moment until they prove themselves otherwise. But you know, everything with like Dead Space Remake and Respawn with all these great games, Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order and all the, all the cool shit they have going on over at, at EA. It's like kind of all that for the most part means nothing to them. Because Apex Legends is just making so much money. And 2K has kind of a similar thing where like they're trying to work on some other things. They got a lot of talent, but eh, nothing really matters because they got GTA. And, you know, Microsoft's got got Minecraft and Epic's got Fortnite. And everyone just, uh, they just want that. They just want that because then it's like, listen, this one game not only makes us go from filthy fucking rich to fuck you filthy fucking rich, but also it funds everything going forward for the rest of forever. We just don't have to, like Fortnite makes so much money that Epic can afford to just constantly hemorrhage money on this stupid fucking service on PC that no one likes and no one uses because the Epic Game Store is vastly inferior to Steam. It is slow, it is buggy, it is bloated, it is shitty, and they just give you tons and tons of free games all the time, and it's super uh, consumer-friendly in that way, and, and and they just keep pouring money, gobs and gobs of money into it and working deals with all these, all these independent developers and some smaller publishers to try and get games exclusive to their platform and not on steam and exclusive content to this platform and day and date this and that because they have so much fuck you money from Fortnite that they can do it and they can work out all these special deals with unreal engine because fuck you Fortnite makes them so much money and they can afford to take on apple and these massive lawsuits and then lose the ability to put Fortnite on the apple app store because fuck you Fortnite makes too much money to be to, to, to fail in any regard and any possible conceivable way and I think companies are seeing that. That's what they're seeing more than anything. And they just see, ugh, every time you go on Twitch, it's like, why is the new fucking game that just came out performing worse than, than Fortnite in terms of viewership right now on YouTube and on Twitch and all these platforms? And they go, I want that. These people are drunk and driven by money. And I'm telling you, man, what they need to do is book themselves a nice Fortnite cruise on a Royal Caribbean, get away, spend a perfect day at Coco Key, and uh, take their minds off the greed that consumes them. So let's wrap up our comments. Dead Captain James, my favorite. Fuck you all. You're inferior. Writes in and says, keep up the hard work, Jesse. Eventually your Twitch channel will grow. I personally prefer the evergreen content here on YouTube as time is something I don't have much of. Uh, but if you stick with it, eventually you will grow uh, with the Twitch as, with Twitch as well. On a side note, Fuck Square Enix and their bull and their NFT bullshit. I don't usually go that hard as someone, but I really hate digital predatory practices like NFTs. Amen, Dad, Captain James. Thank you for the kind words and uh, retweet because yes, uh, because fuck NFTs and also it was very it was it was very uh, a very uh, karma moment if you will when Square Enix was like, hey, we're selling to Embracer, uh, Crystal Dynamics, and IDOS, and also we're going to invest heavily in NFTs and all this shit in, in crypto. And then like the same fucking week, they're like, oh yeah, blockchain isn't performing and NFTs are selling like shit. And it's just like, yes, yes. I hope somewhere out there Ashton Kutcher's losing millions of fucking dollars on his stupid monkey show that he and his wife are doing. Ah, yes, yes, yes. It makes me so happy because fuck NFTs, fuck taking advantage of people. And guys... No disrespect, because I see people in this very audience that are on Team NFT. I'm not trying to belittle you or be a dick, but NFTs are a scam. I'm here to say, with full confidence, you're being scammed. 
All right. Way of the Lao says uh, the, uh, the, these last two comments. These are the wrap up comments that I just uh, I themed what because I don't know what the fuck they're about. But Way of the Lao says hello and good day to everyone. I hope everyone's doing well. And if not, I understand the struggle is real. I wish to convey my best wishes for everyone and their families. Jesse, I'll be honest, as I always get the new PlayStation first because I had the last two versions of it. I didn't get an Xbox till the 1S because I wanted to play games like Castlevania The Lords of Shadow 1 and 2, and the backwards compatibility on Xbox has always been an important feature for someone such as myself. If I have the choice, I will usually play something on the Series X now because it handles frame rates a lot better than their current PS5 games and always looks gorgeous on it. However, in my opinion, Xbox controllers and interface feel off to me for some reason, but you just can't beat the smooth gameplay that you get from the newer Xboxes. I know no one asked for my opinion, but I thought I would share and provide some clarification from my last comment. I hope everyone has a good week, and I will see everyone on the stream Monday. Thank you, Wei Lao, for writing in. And you know what? No one did ask for your opinion, but I'm glad you shared it because I, I, I enjoy this. You know, people like you make me very... Honestly, Wei Lao, this isn't me trying to, like, jerk you off or something. This kind of comment makes me feel like I'm not totally failing with my podcast because the fact that... I don't, on a regular basis, get stupid Xbox fanboys that are like, fuck you for mentioning PlayStation, no one cares about PlayStation, go Team Green, get a tattoo of an X on your butthole or else you're not a real Xbox. Like, the fact that I'm not getting those kind of comments, but I'm getting comments from people like you explaining like, hey, I love both platforms, I'm tra- I- I'm, I'm traditionally a PlayStation guy, and here here's my reason for loving both. I love it. It's, it's, uh, it is, it is honest, it is rational, it is... It is open-minded and welcoming to all. It is the way gaming should be. Now, your take on Xbox controllers feeling off compared to PlayStation controls, c- controllers kind of makes me want to uh, drill fucking, uh, I-, I don't know. It-, it is it is horrifying to think that the PlayStation controller is more comfortable than the Xbox controller, but I understand if you are more used to the PlayStation controller, if you've grown up with it, maybe there is just that, that muscle memory and that ergonomic comfort that comes with it. So I don't mean to take that away from you, but... I do appreciate your uh, your place in all of this, and also, yes, every platform has its pros and cons. PlayStation is a wonderful platform. One day, I will probably buy a PS5 because Wolverine and Spider-Man 2, and also Way to Allow. I hope you're having a wonderful day. Have a great week back at school until you go back to college, and also, smell my armpits. I use deodorant. Headhunting Halo, speaking of armpits, writes in with our final last comment of the week. That's right. If you're not named Headhunting Halo, you fucking failed. You're not getting the last comment. So if you didn't leave the last comment, just know, chances are you are likely an RC Cola fan. So that's it for all of our comment shoutouts whatnot this week. For next week, remember, don't be shy. Reply. Next, let's jump into what I've been playing this week. But before I can tell you about the games I've been playing, i got to tell you about what I've been eating. Guys, it's been a while since I've done with these, like, obscure, like, most people don't go to this restaurant, but fuck it, I'm going to talk about it. But guys, I got to tell you about Mr. Wolfgang Puck. Now, let me take you back to a year called 1990-something or other. It was a year unlike any other. Uh, For some reason, uh, interior design was all like, let's put colorful tiles everywhere. Let's make everything look ridiculous and tacky and wacky and over-themed because because whatever, it's the 90s, fuck you. And Mr. Wolfgang Puck is this guy, I think, from Austria, and he's European, so he probably uh, doesn't really eat a whole lot of processed foods. But, you know, he's being all European. He's talking about cutting people's heads off with guillotines because he's probably French at the same time as being Austrian. But he also is really good at making food, and 
I'm not just talking about this guy's not no Chef Boyardee. He's not opening cans and heating it up. This man is taking shit from a garden. He's murdering animals and gutting them and taking off their feathers to make food taste good for your mouth hole. And that's what this guy did. He got very famous. He moved to California. He probably banged a bunch of celebrities. I'm willing to bet. And then he opened a restaurant. It was called Spago, and it was very popular. He goes, what if I took a pizza and I put salmon on it? And people from Italy, like the guy who represents FIFA, was like, you're fucking disgusting. Don't do that. But he did it anyway, and he got even more famous. And then celebrities were like, this is my guy. His name is Wolfgang Puck eat his food, and then he started popping up restaurants in Vegas. Everywhere you go, the tourist spots, here's a restaurant, here's a guy, he's in Europe, he's in America, where is he? He's everywhere, he's like, fucking, where's Waldo? But then, the Walt Disney Company goes, hey, Wolfgang, fuck, why don't you open a restaurant here at the Walt Disney World Resort in the downtown Disney district? It will be great, and people will eat your food there. And so he did it, and it was great, and it was beautiful, and it looked like the Disney I loved from my childhood, where it was wacky, it was tacky, it was 90s, it was unashamed to be ridiculous, and it was beautiful. The building was like, whoa, I need to walk inside here because this is a stupid way for a building to look, and it was fun, and you would eat there, and you'd be like, wow, Mom, I'm glad we're paying $40 for a 10-inch pizza because Wolfgang Puck. And then it was a good restaurant, and then it went away. Like a dodo bird, they took the restaurant and made it into rubble, and then the year 2020 came around, and everyone was like, I got an idea. What if interior design, and what if design aesthetic and modern architecture, and just... I don't even know what the fucking word is, but what it just design in general aesthetics was no longer about fun, wacky, tacky, interesting, eye popping, but rather just about like four fucking blank walls in like a single piece of artwork that's borderline just a single color. Um, and then everyone was like, wow, that's stupid. And we'll make the walls look like bricks and we'll make the woods look like uh, like floor from the fucking Home Depot. And we'll make the tables look like a two year old saw them together. But that's how it works. That's how 2020 works. Everything looks disgusting, like hipster bullshit trash, and it's like million dollar, multi million dollar uh, corporations are just making things look like they cost five bucks to make. But that's not the point. Wolfgang Puck said, Listen, Disney World, I'm sorry that my old, fun looking restaurant got destroyed, not by a hurricane, but by modernism. I will make a new restaurant for you, and here's the catch the food will be delicious because, after all, I'm a European and this is Wolfgang Puck. But second of all, the restaurant will look like total ass because rule number one of Trump's America, of Biden's America, of America's America, uh, restaurants and gift shops and theme parks and grocery stores are no longer allowed to look fun anymore. Do you guys remember back in the day where you used to go into the dairy aisle of your local Kroger's shopping market and there was a fucking cow hanging from the ceiling and it would moo when you opened up the door to grab your milk? If you don't live in a place where they have Kroger's shopping markets, you're probably like, what the fuck does that mean? But if you know, you know. Well, we don't do that anymore. Instead, what we do is we have a fucking brick wall and we have a stupid wooden table that looks like a two-year-old sod it together and then some hipster guy comes over to you with a fucking uh, denim jacket and says, hey guys, welcome to our farm-to-table restaurant. We work with local farmers to make food happen. And you're like, fucking idiot, all lettuce comes from a farm, you dumbass. That's where they milk them for lettuce milk. And so you order off the menu and they try to use those factoids to charge you $45 for a side salad. Whatever, it's the way of the restaurant in the year 2022. But I went after many, many years. Uh, it's only been open for two or three years, so not that many years. But after... A long time of mulling it over, saying, I miss the old Wolfgang Puck restaurant because it looked so goddamn fun and charming. I miss the 90s. Where, is, where are my 90s? I finally decided I got to give the new Wolfgang Puck 
restaurant a try because looks are not everything. And let's be honest, Wolfgang Puck is way past his prime. No one gives a shit about him anymore. He's kind of a has-been celebrity chef. No Gordon Ramsay, that's for sure. So I go into the, the new Wolfgang Puck restaurant at Disney World, former downtown Disney, current Disney Springs location, and I try out the Wolfgang Puck Bar and Grill, which looks like exactly the same shitty, low-budget hipster restaurant I used to work in in Atlanta. But the only difference is Wolfgang Puck's got so much fucking money you wouldn't know what to do with it. And the old shitty restaurant I used to work in in Atlanta was a cheap fucking sushi restaurant from one guy and his investor friend. So anyway, the point being, we eat there. I have the lowest of expectations because it's one of the only restaurants in all of Walt Disney World where it's easy to get a reservation regardless of the day or time. And I'm looking at the menu. I'm like, this looks overpriced. But I love California cuisine. I love I love the whole California thing of like, let's take pizza and do avocado to it. Let's take steak and do herb butter to it. You know, like I, I, I love I don't I hate to admit it. I make a lot of fun of California, but I really, really do love that kind of like contemporary modern uh, 90s, early 2000s Wolfgang Puck spin on like. California cuisine. I'm a real sucker for that. I used to work at the California Pizza Kitchen back in the early 2010s when I was in high school. Tell your parents about it, kids. It was a good time. I liked it. Fuck you. I don't have to defend myself. Long story short, we eat at the Wolfgang Puck, and it's phenomenal. I don't know why this is the case. I don't know how this is possible, especially considering we are just steps away from the Rainforest Cafe. But Wolfgang Puck, despite no longer being the most popular celebrity chef, despite his restaurant looking like total asshole, this food is so good, and I put it inside me, and I think, wow, this 16 fucking dollar bruschetta, which is just bread with avocado and tomatoes and buffalo mozzarella, and I'm being ripped off. Why am I buying this? There's no way it's going to be that good, but you bite into it, and you're like, I didn't know you could do bread and cheese and avocado that good, and here you go. You're addicted, and it's that good, and you somehow have justified the price of the appetizer. You move on to the fucking pizza, and Wolfgang Puck's like, I'm from California, which is apparently part of Europe, and we put prosciutto and arugula on our pizza because fuck you, America, and you're like, okay, well, let's do it. Let's fucking find out what this is all about, and it's one of the best goddamn pizzas you've ever had in your life, and suddenly you're starting to question yourself. Am I really American? Do I really like Bud Light? Do I really like my women uh, to be Christian? I don't know anymore, so all of a sudden, you're, you're, you're opening your horizons. You're ordering gin cocktails when you're a bourbon man. You're ordering fucking... Uh, what, what was the, the um, chicken snitch, schnitzel with like a cucumber fresh salad? All, everything is turned upside down. You don't even remember Taco Bell's last name anymore. You feel like a, a former, a shell of your former self. Everything's fucked up. But the problem is, and the, and the reality is, and the benefit of it all is, Wolfgang Puck, I don't care what you say, in the year 2022, is still putting out some of the best goddamn food in the world. And I don't mean the man, because there's probably no chance in hell Wolfgang Puck has ever stepped foot in this restaurant. It's just his name on it. But this restaurant that happens to be called Wolfgang Puck is so goddamn good. And yes, I ate there. And yes, I don't regret it. And it was one of those like, eh, one and done restaurants because it's kind of overpriced. But the fact that when you can go into a restaurant where you you vehemently hate the theming and the atmosphere of it, like you have a personal vendetta against that restaurant for the way it looks and feels inside. Plus, you keep scoffing at the menu because everything is so exorbitantly priced. Plus, you can't get over the fact that all the servers look like hipster douchebags because some manager is like, yeah, I'm going to make you wear denim shirts in the middle of Central Florida. Despite all of those things working against this restaurant, plus my deep nostalgia for the former Wolfgang Puck restaurant Disney that looked fun inside... This restaurant exceeded every expectation I had times 10. The food was that 
fucking good. And so what I'm saying is, guys, I don't care if it's California. I don't care if it's if it's Las Vegas. I don't care if it's Orlando, Florida. I don't care if it's Austria, which I'm pretty sure there might be a war over there. I don't know because I'm American and we're bad at geography. But you owe it to yourself to eat Wolfgang Puck's food. And no, his canned soup from the grocery store does not count. So don't ask. So that's all I got to say. Wolfgang Puck, prosciutto belongs on pizza. Arugula always belonged on pizza. And you have validated that further this past week. Thank you for your hard work. You are free to die or whatever it is Europeans do at this point. I will be back for more. All right, that's it for what I've been eating, guys. But let's get let's, away from the flowery language. What have, what have I been playing? Well, to, to be honest, and I, I'm tired of being this guy, I, just, I haven't been playing too many video games. I spent this weekend busy with a lot of stuff. Work's been kind of crazy for me lately, so it's been taking a lot of my energy and time lately. Plus, I'm trying to learn, I don't know, I'm trying, I'm trying to take another online class. Last year, I learned IT. This year, I want to learn something else. I want, I want to keep learning. I don't want being out of college to be an excuse for not trying to learn more things. So I'm trying to take an, a new online class, learn a new subject. So trying to focus some research time on that. I've been doing a lot, thinking about that. But I have been playing games somewhat, and uh, with Season 2 of Halo Infinite now out, of course that's what I've been playing. And guys, if you were on my stream on Monday, first of all, my apologies. And second of all, as uh, Mojo uh, aptly pointed out, I'm I'm a little bit of a whiny, complainy bitch when it comes to Halo these days. And I gotta watch it, I gotta stop being that way. Halo Infinite is a great game, it has endless room for improvement, I have many, many gripes with it. But it's as simple as if you're not happy with the state of the game right now, just don't play it. Um, but Halo Infinite 2, unfortunately, has kind of reaffirmed that for me because, as I've said before, I'm not a big, I'm not a huge big team battle fan. So I just don't play a whole lot of that. It's very rare I play big team battle. I, I love arena. And so for me, as a fan predominantly of the arena side of multiplayer, I feel like there's very little content here. I'm not crazy about what they did with King of the Hill. I think King of the Hill, it's a nice addition because it's more content, but it just doesn't scratch the same itch that that former King of the Hill kind of did for me. It's, it, it's like a mix of like Crazy King with like a tug of war kind of element to it. It's fun. It's good, but it's not, you know, I want like classic six player free for all King of the Hill. Try to get the most points. I don't know. Whatever. Who cares? It's fine. I'm glad it's there. It, it just... Uh, I was more excited for it than I think the the final product ended up making me feel. Um, and then the last Spartan standing mode, I think is a really cool ki- concept for an uh, of a mode. I, 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 as I said last week, I think that map itself is really cool. And um, the, the mode drives me insane again, because it just caters to that, that Halo Infinite player base of just like, Hey, camping is cool. And let's try to play this. Like it's Call of Duty and just try to like farm kills. And they drop like, in, like invisibilities and overshield and stuff, which I think is a bad idea for this mode because it's just like, okay, if we're trying to make it all even and it's just about skill, it's like the most skilled player will unlock better weapons, but otherwise it's pretty even. Why are we allowing for other randomized content to drop into them? I, I don't know that I fully agree with that placement and I feel like it makes it less fun. So constantly just being shot from across the map from people with manglers who are invisible and it's just, I'm not really enjoying it all that much, but I find it to be a really interesting concept for our mode, and I think it's a really, really fun map. Uh, I I don't know. It's just it, it's nice to have for sure. I appreciate new content, but it's not getting me the it's it's not grabbing me the way I hoped it would. And then finally, there's that new map in in regular arena, which I've only match made into once. I played maybe three or four hours of season two content, and I've only successfully gotten to play this map one time. Because for some reason, they don't have, like, a playlist that's, like, 24-7 new maps or, like, 
you know, like uh, we've increased the probability of running into the new map in matchmaking because we understand our players are eager to play the new content. Nope. 343 didn't do any of that. They're just like, there's a new map in there, uh, but fuck you, you're playing bizarre for the next three matches in a row. Fuck you, go kill yourself. And so that's what I've been up against. It's it's trying to be appreciative that there is any new content at all, that the new maps are very aesthetically cool, that the new modes are appreciated, but also coming to grips with the fact that 343 doesn't want you to play the new maps because fuck you, they're not in rotation. And also the new battle pass is just exactly like season one. All the same complaints still here. I just have to grind and grind and grind for all these skins that don't look that fun. And then the game's challenges are constantly acting, asking me to play the game improperly and therefore make the game less fun for everyone in an attempt to try and get these special challenges to unlock all these cosmetics that don't look that good and are very limiting in terms of how I can use them and how I can customize them. So I'm not trying to be super down on Halo Infinite. It's just to say I appreciate that Season 2 is here. I appreciate that there is more content, but I pretty quickly caught on to the fact that it's not for me. And I'm not satisfied with it personally. And that's okay. I can put it down and say, well, maybe season three will make me happier. Or who knows? Season one made me largely unhappy. And then a few months into it, I finally got bit by the bug. And was like, you know what? I got to play some Halo Infinite. And maybe that will be me come July or August. I don't know. But for right now, Infinite season two is uh, pretty disappointing. And I fully expect to move away from it and play some other games that better respect my time. And with that said, I did start. I downloaded and started Trek to Yomi, which is that new game that launched into Battle Pass and Battle Pass into Game Pass. Fuck you, Halo, making me think about Battle Passes all the time. Uh, but Trek to Yomi, it's that new like Japanese samurai uh, grayscale 2D game um, that just launched into Game Pass. And uh, admittedly, I've only played the first, the opening 30 minutes of this game. I haven't had much time. I started it right before I had to go to Wolfgang Puck's actually. So sorry, Wolfgang Puck. I had to go eat Mr. European Man's food and watch Sam Raimi's Doctor Strange movie, which was also phenomenal. I wish this wasn't what I've been playing. I wish this was what I've been watching because Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, I don't know what the fuck people are smoking that they think it's not a good movie. That movie's fucking awesome. But that that's besides the point. We saw, Tre I played Trek to Yomi. It's way too soon to really tell how I feel about this game, but I will say I'm very, very captivated by its art style, by its camera perspective, and by the the fluidity of of the of the game. How it it um, how do I don't want to say this? Just kind of like the the flow of the story, the way it's like everything is just one continuous, kind of like God of War, like, like one shot, like continuous. It's not loading screens. It's just you go here and you continue onto this area and this area and this area and everything is just a smooth, clean continuation. I don't know how long that holds in the game, but in the opening scenes, it's really, really cool. It's a 2D game when you're in combat, but when you're like traveling through world, throughout the world and talking with people and doing non-combat related stuff, it has more of a 3D, slightly top head isometric borderline kind of perspective where you get to pull around and explore a little bit more and i find just the visuals and the art style of the game extremely captivating i find the combat for what little of it i've already experienced to be very intriguing and it, it's it looks like it's gonna be one of those games where it's just challenging enough to where it's like really satisfying and fun standout combat like the combat is going to be the core special mechanic of the game but also doable enough and, and captivating enough of a game and an experience to where it's going to make people who aren't like Dark Souls hardcore players feel comfortable jumping in and enjoying the game. So I'm really looking forward into getting into it more this week and actually having some like actual thoughts to share on the game. But that's the game I'm starting next. And I'm thinking about thinking about quitting on Far Cry 6 and jumping into Yakuza 3. 
because I really keep I keep seeing it on my hard drive. I need to get back to it. I loved Yakuza 0, 1, and 2, and I need to get through the rest of that series. Uh, but I keep trying to push myself through Far Cry, and I'm like, why, why am I doing this? Why, why am I doing this? Far Cry 6 is great, but God, I'm not feeling it. But anyway, that's what I've been playing. That's what I've been eating. That's what I've been doing. That's what I've been talking to. That's where I've been driving. That's where I've been pooping. Everything you need to know about what I've been doing. Are we done with the fucking status report? Let's move on to the news and get into it now that we're five hours into the podcast. Thank you. All right, so we got actually a little bit of a shorter news week in terms of like main stories, but we will make the most of it. Actually, maybe not that much. What the fuck? Yeah, whatever. Our first news story, the big one of the week. It's not that big. I don't know. I've I've kept trying to read over this story and read about it and try to understand the intricacies of it, but I feel like I'm just unable to get as invested in it as people uh, were. And I'm talking about, of course, the DRM, Xbox outages, all that shenanigans that happened over the week. Let's address it. Let me just read from VGC all the bullshit that ensued. So Microsoft has said that it expects to fully resolve recent Xbox server outages that occurred in the near future. Xbox's online DRM policy was criticized severely after uh, after server outages left some console owners unable to launch their purchased games for the fourth day in a row. On Friday, May 6th, the Xbox's support team first confirmed that servers were experiencing some major outages, outages after users complained that they were unable to purchase or launch games or start cloud gaming sessions. On Saturday, the support team claimed that it had resolved the issues only for it to state several hours later that the issues had returned. In total, the support team had claimed that they'd fixed the problem twice over the weekend, only seemingly to return later to the problem. The server problems, which were first acknowledged by Xbox's own support team, had resulted in some console owners being unable to launch games that they ha- that they own for four days. In an update on Monday, the platform holder claimed that there had been a major improvement to the situation, but said that it didn't expect a full fix for the issue for a few days. Quote, they said, we've seen significant improvement to the issue that has prevented some users from purchasing and launching games. We fully expect mitigation in the coming days as we roll out new updates. The replies to the Xbox's latest update included messages from users claiming that they still can't uh, boot up their purchased games. Unsurprisingly, Xbox's online DRM policy has been heavily criticized by users, frustrated that they've been unable or left unable to play purchased games for this long. Now, according to Does It Play, a Twitter account dedicated to testing commercial releases to ensure that they work uh, entirely internet-free, the majority of Xbox games require an online check before they'll even boot, saying, quote, they absolutely do not have uh, this problem on PlayStation or Switch, the Twitter account uh, wrote, continuing, trust us, we've tested them. They added, if a PlayStation server goes down tomorrow permanently, every single player... uh, Every single-player game that you own will work offline almost permanently, provided the console itself works and the account was linked. There are a tiny subset of titles that will not, but Xbox needs to fix their DRM problems. Hand-waving won't help. Nobody wins, especially Xbox fans, if all the catalog eventually becomes inaccessible. The outages are potentially embarrassing for Xbox, which, which has historically which has historically promoted the importance of game preservations, most significantly when it's extensive backwards compatibility program. The company also famously U-turned or hu- on the hugely unpopular plans to require an online connection for Xbox One back in 2013. So, okay, he- here's the thing. I'm a little confused by this story, I guess. Maybe this is just some of my own ignorance or lack of technical know-how. I- I've been trying to look into this more 
And I guess if I'm being honest, and I feel like uh, there are a couple of Xbox fans out there who need to come. Well, they don't need to do anything. But I feel like a lot of Xbox fans didn't really know that this was even an issue until this this past weekend's events ensued. And then it, it became an issue that people needed to speak up about. But I wasn't aware how bad the DRM issue was on Xbox. Now, I know there are some games on Xbox that require an internet connection, and I'm not talking about, like, oh, yeah, you can't play Call of Duty online unless you're connected to the internet. It's like, no fucking shit, you know? Uh, I'm talking about, like, just regular old games requiring you be connected uh, or establish some sort of connection to the Xbox network in order to be able to play that game, regardless of whether or not you're playing online or if it's even an online game to begin with. Now, obviously, this makes sense if you're trying to stream games from xCloud. Obviously, this makes sense if you're trying to play certain games from Game Pass. But the idea that someone could go online, purchase a game for 60 70 bucks, that is a single-player game, and then not have established some form of an internet connection after purchasing it and playing it, and then no longer be able to play it or not be able to play it at all because of that. Obviously, this is unacceptable. This isn't, this is one of those situations, like, no no one's going to argue this. No one's going to sit here and defend this. This needs to be reversed immediately. And I guess my confusion is I'm, I'm a little confused as to why this even works the way it does. Because now I, I, I understand, of course, that th- there is a desire to try and combat sharing of games to people who don't own them and and you know to protect uh, game sales and things like that by making it so that you can't just like buy a game put your console offline share your account with your friends and basically just be like ah fuck it all my friends can play this game all the time because whatever workaround i i guess so i mean i guess that that is a that is probably a reason why drm to begin with but here's the thing is this seems like one of those Overkill solutions that when it goes wrong, like we saw it go wrong this past weekend, goes on and affects a massive swath of people who are innocent and have nothing to do with this issue because you are trying to overkill um, solve a solution that may or may not even be happening. And and where I fall on it is it's kind of like what Netflix is doing right now by being like, hey, we're going to get really aggressive about combating people sharing their Netflix accounts and we're going to make sure people start subscribing to their own account and they're not just like using their friend's account or the password or whatever. But it's like you do understand that, of course, there are people who do that. Just like with Xbox, of course, there are people who try and manipulate the system to try and like play games offline and share with their friends and save money on games. Of course. But... In the grand scheme of things, the, the amount of potential business or, or money being lost because of those kinds of people and those kinds of workarounds is so insignificant compared to the grand scheme of your business. And you're being incredibly anti-consumer and you're punishing people who are innocent and did nothing wrong and shouldn't have any kind of potential for this error to encounter simply because you want to hypothetically block a certain scenario from happening. And this is this is a huge issue. Obviously, we don't run into this issue often because all you had to do is have your Xbox either registered as the primary Xbox with your Xbox Live account or have established some form of an internet connection over what is like the past 24 hours or something like that. And for most people, this is not a problem. Most people have an Xbox. It's their Xbox. It's registered to their account. No big deal. Most people have internet connection reliably and steadily where it's like, okay, I have internet and I'm playing and whatever. Okay. It's not an issue, but when this shit happens, it suddenly becomes a massive issue because 
Sure, you can you can you can sell someone a, a service and be like, sorry, our service had a bug and it went down, and we're fixing it. We fixed the service. Here's something to make up for it. Here's a, here's a free month of Game Pass to make up for it. We're, our bad, right? Whatever. But you cannot sell someone a fucking game, a single player game, and be like, sorry, you can't play it because we're having an issue and our DRM policy doesn't per- allow for you to play that seventy dollar game you purchased. That's a single player only game. That's that's fucking broken. And I was trying to look at the list of, of games on Xbox that like 100% don't rely on DRM in any way, shape, or form. And it's, it's small. It's It was like 14 games. And it was like half of them are like fucking Fallout games. Like it's it's almost nothing. And I wasn't aware of this. I wasn't aware that this was this bad an issue. The only time I've ever encountered anything even like this is, you know, I have I have Spectrum Internet here. It's the only option for an internet provider I really have where I live. And they fucking suck. They're the worst. Um, but, like, they, they will constantly just randomly be like, eh, maintenance, fuck you, no internet for an hour. And it happens, like, God, I swear it happens, like, once a month. And there have been times where it's like, okay, well, internet outage, boom, you can't play Xbox. It's like, okay, I can't play Halo, whatever, I'm not online. But then I'll try and play something single player and I have run into stuff like this but especially for it to not I mean that sucks especially I mean that that, that just sucks on its own right but especially for it to be like my internet is fine I did nothing wrong this is Xbox's network having an issue and now they are punishing me off their own policy for things that shouldn't even be affected by a network issue that's that's where we have an issue so I, I understand why people are upset and I agree with the with the outrage but at the same time I feel like this is I don't, I don't know, man. Like this is such a simple thing. Like it's like when Xbox had achievements and PlayStation didn't. They just copied it and did trophies. You know, um, PlayStation had fucking uh, PlayStation Plus and and games uh, PlayStation Plus games and everything. And Xbox was like, oh, we don't have that. Uh, games of Gold, we're copying it. You know, it's one of those things where it's like Xbox just needs to look at PlayStation's DRM policy and copy it. Just fucking, you want to have DRM, but you want to also have your cake and eat too and have a more lenient version that fans won't be upset about. Just fucking copy what PlayStation does. Because I can tell you this, PlayStation's not hemorrhaging money because of their DRM policy. It's not It's not anti-consumer, and it's also not destroying the business and, and destroying game sales for publishers and shit like that. So just do what they do, call it a day. It cannot be that hard. And I'm not saying, oh, I expect them to fix this in 24 hours or less. But I'm saying with this much time having gone by, um, since 2013, when people were initially upset, just the thought of DRM for them to have even remotely, obviously that's not the policy they have, but for them to have a policy that's even remotely as, as upsetting and, and, and disadvantageous to their player base as what this is, is I, I just feel like it's long overdue for them to just address it and fix it already. Like, I don't, I don't get what the fucking deal is. So I, I don't I don't really have much on this story to say. I know people were really up in arms in, about it this whole weekend. I kept seeing people talk about it. And I was like, I, I'm just trying to understand the nuance of the situation because it just seems so cut and dry. Like you are fucking over your player base by having a system that, when compromised, can completely <laughs> like debilitate people's ability to pl- access their own content that they purchased. Just fix it, man. Just just reverse a policy. Just fix a thing. Do your whatever. You're Microsoft. Money is literally not a thing. You just bought you just bought Activision for a comical sixty nine billion dollars. Like just just do what needs to be done and fix this problem. I don't I don't get it. 
And again, I'm not, I, I, I don't mean to be so flippant about how to solve the issue in terms of a time frame. I understand you can't just do it overnight. And maybe this is what they're attempting to do now as a result of this incident. But like the next step is to fix this. Just get rid of this shit. So I don't know. I'm, I apologize if it seems like a really bad analysis, but I, I, I read this story from multiple outlets, looked throughout Twitter, everything, everyone was saying, the discourse surrounding it. And I just feel like this is much to do about nothing from the perspective of the corporation, from the perspective of Microsoft. It's like, just fix this issue. Um, you're clearly in the wrong. You clearly did wrongdoing by your fucking player base. Uh, maybe give everyone a free, awesome Trojan condom skin for Halo Infinite to make us look cool as a, as a sorry we fucked up. And move on. I just that's all there is to it. But uh, yeah, Xbox continuing to uh, have some uh, some old bad decisions haunting them into the into the present. I'm sure they will address this, uh, but we'll follow up when they do, assuming they do, which I'm sure they will. But that's our first story. Our second story is an example of some bad news. That's actually good news, I, I think. Uh, VGC relays that Gotham Knights will no longer be released on Xbox One or PlayStation 4. It has been announced this week. Coinciding with the release of new gameplay footage, Warner Bros. Games issued the following statement saying, Gotham Knights is scheduled to launch worldwide October 25th, 2022. Please note, to provide players with the best possible gameplay experience, the game will release on Xbox Series X, S, PC, uh, and, but will no longer be available for Xbox One consoles. Gotham Knight is being developed by WB Games Montreal. Uh, um and led by creative director Patrick Redding, who previously directed Splinter Cell titles Conviction and Blacklist. It was initially planned for release last year before being delayed to provide more time to deliver the best possible experience for players. So clearly, first thing we're seeing here is that the delay that it had last year wasn't like, a, oh, we're in the final stages, we need to polish it up. It was like, a, this game's not even close to being ready to launch. We need a serious delay, first of all. And second of all, it was such a big setback that it resulted in them having to cancel the last-gen iteration of the game. Now, I'm very glad to see that that's the decision they made. I'm sure they had their decision cut out for them. I'm sure this was as simple as, like, guys, we, we can't let this be a cyberpunk. We have to cancel this. And this is, this is the way to do it. I know this sucks for a lot of gamers right now because it's hard to get your hands on the next-gen console, right? And between now and October, that situation there will be more opportunities to get a next gen console, but that that situation is not going to clear up. It's not going to be suddenly easy to find an Xbox. So I feel for gamers that either don't have the access or don't have the money or haven't found the opportunity to buy one of these new consoles. But this is the right way to go. Don't dick around your audience. Make the tough decision as soon as you know you have to make it, and do right by the consumer. And just say, guys, we thought this could be a cross gen game. We realize it's still a little too ambitious. It's not running properly. If we're going to get this game out the door, we need to focus our efforts on finalizing the proper version of the game, and we got we got to cut the dead weight. And this is how it should have been done with Cyberpunk, and this is something I would like to see more of. Listen, I understand these publishers are like, we got to make money. This game's been in development for so long, we can't afford to just not be putting in all these platforms with massive install bases that are just there waiting for this game. But do right by the player, do right by the product, Make it right or just don't fucking make it at all. Gotham Knights looks like a seriously cool game. And it could have such a terrible, terrible story surrounding it if they tried to force this thing onto the Xbox One. And the fact that they are wise enough to make the tough decision and cancel the Xbox One version gives me a lot more confidence in this project going into it. This is a goodwill move. I understand goodwill is not always going to buy you more money, but this is uh, this is the way to handle this. 
Now, I will say the thing that does worry me about this is you got to think, and maybe this is looking a little too into it. When a game is initially in its conception planned to be a cross-gen game, obviously your vision for the game has to scale appropriately to work on current hardware and future hardware. So when this game entered development before Series X was a thing, you got to assume that it was like, well, we got to develop this game trying to push the boundary, but with the limitations of the Xbox One in mind. And now you reach this point where the game is canceled on Xbox One, and it's like, oh, that sucks because... I know the game is going to probably look and run great on Series X, and I'm excited for that, but it was envisioned with the Xbox One in mind, which probably, to some extent, limited the the scale and scope of what this project was because they didn't think they were going to be able to put it on both platforms. And ultimately, they weren't able to. And so it does kind of suck a little bit that's like, you know, if you're going to make a game that's cross-gen, it's like you expect there to be those limitations of like, it can't lean fully into the power of the Series X because it's got to run on an OG Xbox One. But now you're running into the situation of, well, it's not going to be on Xbox One, so those users get to miss out, and Xbox Series X users aren't going to get the most next-gen experience possible because this game was envisioned and conceptualized with the Xbox One in mind. So it's kind of like, in that regard, a lose-lose for both sides, but that is ultimately really, you know, really nothing compared to uh, the mess they could make if they decide to force this Xbox One version to hit the market despite not not being properly uh, ready to go for prime time for consumers. So props to the WB for making the tough decision and making the right decision on this. I feel like it'd just be too common uh, these days to see them be like, ah, fuck it, we want money. Put it on Xbox One anyway. I don't care if it's broken. So they did right. It's their way to go, especially when your team hasn't put out a game in a million years. you got to make sure it hits just right. Now, next up, a new Mafia game, VGC reports, is currently in development. Kotaku, or actually this is Kotaku's report, not VGC, my bad. Kotaku reports that the developer, Hangar 13's UK studio, uh, Brighton, is leading development on a prequel set before the events of the Mafia trilogy. And according to the report, the game's codename is Nero and is being developed in Unreal Engine 5. As opposed to Unreal Engine's, uh, the uh, Mafia's 3's engine used for the Mafia trilogy remastered in 2020. Kotaku's reporting comes right after Hangar 13's internal announcement that studio head Hayden Blackman is leaving the developer and its parent company 2K. Blackman's stepping down in order to pursue his passion and new at a new endeavor, according to the announcement he shared internally with staff in the studio, which was reported via GamesIndustry.biz. He will be replaced by Nick Baines, the head of Hangar 13's Brighton studio. Uh, it has been claimed that in November that 2K had canceled a new title from Hangar 13, codenamed Volt. The project had reportedly been in development in various forms since 2017. An early leak described Volt as an open-world sci-fi title with supernatural elements. It's a Cthulhu meets Saints Row uh, mashup. But people said to be familiar with 2K's decision told Bloomberg that work on the unannounced project had ceased. The article's author, Jason Schreier, claimed that the time that Volt was a new IP uh, and rumors of Hangar 13 making a Mafia 4 were always false, aside from their early attempts in 2016 and 2017. However, if Kotaku's article is accurate, development of the new Mafia game is very early in stages, meaning Schreier's comments were likely accurate when they were made, but now things have changed. So, first of all, that's pretty bad, because Mafia 3 came out, fuck, what year did Mafia 3 come out? Was that 2018? So it's, it's been a while, and then on top of that, they've had to cancel all these other projects along the way. So they have Hangar 13, their last game was, people who play Mafia 3 say it's a really awesome world, it's a really cool synopsis, really cool characters, but the game 
was kind of broken and not fun when it came out and took lots of bug fixes and patches to make it good um, and underperformed a little bit because of all that. And then they had some cancel projects in between all that. And just now they're starting development on their next game, which is a prequel to Mafia. They, they went around, tried to do some new things. All that didn't plan out. And now they're going back to Mafia. That's a lot, a lot of money this this team has just spent over years doing nothing. Kind of reminds me of uh, Arkham Knights, which we just talked about, where it's like, what, what the fuck was that developer doing for so many years between Batman Origins and now Gotham Knights that they just haven't put out a game in so long? And you, and you hope that it doesn't hurt the studio. And I, I don't think it will just because we're seeing a, a reality where the games industry is all about buying talent, holding on to talent no matter what. And there's not a whole lot of shutting down studios and dissolving studios right now with the talent being so highly sought after. So I think Hangar 13 is probably going to be safe, at least for the time being. But that is a major fuck up for them. And, and it makes you wonder <laughs> kind of what what is wrong at that studio. And maybe maybe a part of why Hayden Blackman left was just because of years of things not panning out and projects not properly getting off the ground. And there being kind of a internal drive for something new to try and fix the war culture I, I don't know that's all speculation of course but this is it, it's exciting to think that they're going to go back to mafia maybe try to reinvent it with a with a prequel and do something different i assume they'll take a new approach to it uh mafia is one of those games i feel like it's always been so ripe for potentially being a phenomenal game but just never hits the mainstream quite the way you would think a game like this would i don't know man i i, I think maybe it seems like at least conceptually, Mafia is the thing they're they're they were these these guys were made to make, but it never quite comes off the ground the way they want it to. Maybe just taking the time to properly do a prequel right, it's a great way to reestablish the franchise, get new players invested, and if if you do it right, the game can be phenomenal and captivating and fully ready for for prime time the day it launches. So I'll be curious to see what they do with this. Especially now that 2K is just so aggressive about trying to get some new IP, trying to really invest in its talent, trying to expand. I feel like they'll take projects like this a little more seriously, especially while they wait for things like GTA 6. So there's that. And then our penultimate story of the week, Windows Central, relays that EA has shared that in its Q4 fiscal uh, 2022 reporting, strong live service growth for quarter ending in March 31st of 2022, which is no surprise. Apex Legends, all is bullshit, of course. But for Q4 2023 fiscal year, uh, which runs January through March of next year, EA plans to launch a major IP, a partner title, and a remake. Now, remake, it's probably going to be the Dead Space remake that we already know Motive's working on. But the partner title, I assume, is probably just the next Star Wars project, whether that's Jedi Fallen Order sequel, which we know is in development, or another Star Wars game that they have working on. I don't know. But the major IP, that's like the whole, like, huh, what could that be? You wonder if maybe that's Dragon Age 4, which has been in development for a million fucking years, and is vaporware. It's definitely not Mass Effect, uh, because we know that game's still in pretty early stages of development. But maybe, maybe, just maybe, Jeff Grubb was recently leaking some stuff on this. Maybe it's Skate 4? So my guess is it's, if it's something that's known, it's either Dragon Age 4 or Skate 4. And if it's something unknown, it's a brand new thing we don't know about. And if we're going to learn about it, it'll probably be this summer during EA's like EA Play or whatever it is they're going to do. But I can't imagine they would announce it last minute. So it, either this summer, my, my money is on squarely on... Well, not squarely. It's on a mix of something new we don't know about or Dragon Age 4 
or Skate 4. I would really love for it to be Dragon Age 4 because at this point, that game is just such fucking vaporware. It's such overpromise, under-deliver nonsense that's like, now's the time, guys. Just show it off, make it happen. This has got to be a thing. Um, but in the meantime, it seems like, EA, again, you know, EA used to shut down studios all the time. Maybe Bioware would be on the chopping block at this point for just how fucked up they've been for so long. But at this point, it's all about maintaining and or retaining and holding on to that talent as much as you can. So I think they're safe, especially why Apex Legends continues to just make stupid fuck you money. God, I mean, they recorded $7.5 billion in new bookings for the fiscal year. Battle Royale Apex Legends plays a part in the live service tiles, with EA previously confirming that Apex Legends Mobile is coming this this spring. That's insane. And the CEO, Andrew Wilson, said he has full confidence in the ability of teams at EA to launch games across in the coming year in spite of the continued challenge induced by the pandemic. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm leaning mostly towards Dragon Age 4, but if not, it's a new IP. Skate form, eh, maybe not so much just because it is in a rougher state of the development, but you never know. It's uh, I feel like Skate's a little more of a simplistic game to kind of put together. It's not, compared to like Dragon Age, how hard could Skate be, I guess. It's really more about nailing the physics than anything. And then finally, our wrap-up story of the week is from VGC. Microsoft will finally bring Xbox Game Pass streaming to, directly to TVs and standalone devices in the next year. According to a new report from GamesBeat, which claims that within the next 12 months, Microsoft plans to release streaming devices similar to Amazon Fire Stick and Roku-like Puck. In addition, Microsoft's planned to, uh, planning a Samsung TV app, which allows users to stream cloud games directly to their televisions without any additional device. Microsoft's first confirmed plans to bring Xbox Cloud to internet-connected uh, TVs last summer. Speaking in June last year, the company said it's working with global TV manufacturers to embed the Xbox experience directly into the internet-connected TVs and building its own streaming devices. Oh, this will be great now because I have a Samsung Smart TV with an Xbox Series X hooked up to it. We'll just have a redundant situation of basically having an Xbox hooked up to an Xbox. But, yeah, this is happening. Um, I, I can't feign excitement for this. I'm glad it's happening because I think this is good for... This is just good for having your, your platform in more places, but especially like in more Western markets. I can't imagine how this is going to be exceptionally exciting for people. Like you think about like, well, I think about America because it's where I fucking live, but where everyone has some form of a gaming platform in their living room, but no one really has internet good enough to reliably use cloud gaming as their sole means or their primary means of gaming so it's like who is this for right because you think about smart tvs you immediately think of the western world i don't know what's the internet like in fucking canada and parts of europe do you what about you guys in australia or you guys have good enough internet what about our mexican listeners do you guys normally have good enough internet that you guys could stream xbox games to your tv regularly using your home internet and that would suffice as your main way to play games that's the thing is I don't know what market has the internet capabilities to where this is really, really going to be a super useful thing. And I understand how, in theory at least, it can be really beneficial to people who can't get their hands on a new console but really want to play a new game. Just subscribe to Xbox, grab yourself a controller, connect it to your TV, and boom, you can play the latest games even though you can't find an Xbox console in stores because of chip shortages because all you need is a subscription to Game Pass and your TV app. So I think this is really great for just expanding and lowering the barrier entry to a lot of new people. But at the same time, I feel like the markets this is going to initially launch in to begin with, it's going to be like, okay, that's cool. Glad it exists. I'm going to play on my Xbox because the internet is too shitty for me to rely on that to uh, stream 
Halo Infinite to my TV and seriously compete with other players. So it, it's crazy to see Xbox continue to invest, continue to take these strides, but just knowing that like the infrastructure is not there yet. So I, I need to know like where what parts of the world is the infrastructure ready? Because I know they, there is much better internet around the world than there is here in, in some places. But man, that's, especially here, it's not going to be great. But guys, that's going to do it for all of our big news this week. Let's wrap up with our important enough news. These are stories important enough to make the podcast, but not important enough to warrant their own discussions, of which we have a small handful. So VGC relays. Xbox have announced Microsoft Flight Simulator's free Top Gun expansion will release on May 25th. They also announced that Fortnite has become the first free-to-play game available for xCloud Gaming. Players will stre- can stream the game on a phone, tablet, or PC without having to connect or subscribe rather to Xbox Gold or Game Pass. So pretty surprising. Big step in the right direction. No longer do you need a subscription to Game Pass or Xbox Live Gold to play this free-to-play game, make it truly free-to-play for Xbox players. Also allows you to basically stream the game from an iPhone or an iPad using the internet browser. So getting around the App Store, which is where they banned Fortnite or won't allow Fortnite to come back, rather. Um, So that's a pretty quirky little workaround. Uh, VGC also notes that Bioware have begun selling a new N7 Day lithiograph, which may suggest that Commander Shepard from the main uh, game is coming back in the uh, in the new series. But that's just a bunch of fans sp- speculating based on some nerdy contextual shit. Uh, and finally, VGC reports that Electronic Arts EA or sorry EA's own studio Motive is set to hold a new developer live stream in the coming days on May 12th, actually the day this show goes live, uh, regarding its new Dead Space remake. The live stream is titled Crafting Intention and plans to offer a deep dive into the various aspects of the game's upcoming art design, according to EA. It will be at 1 p.m. Eastern time on Thursday, May 12th. I love that they're kind of showing the game off while it's developed like this. I think it's really cool to kind of give your fans that, like, tour of the game while you're working on the game. It kind of gives them a lot more feeling of involvement with the creative process. I think it's cool. All right, guys, and that's going to do it for all of our news this week. Now, as a reminder, or not as a reminder, but rather, let's go over while I have you here. The latest games coming to Xbox for the uh, for the week for the week of May 9th to May 13th. We've got a handful of new games coming, including Danganronpa 2, Goodbye Despair Anniversary Edition. That is on Game Pass now. People love those games. I still never give one a try. Eden Chronicles Rising is available now through Game Pass. Some JRPG love. Really good content for Game Pass. This War of Mine Final Cut, it's available now through Game Pass. People love that game. I've never I've never even seen it in action. I don't even know what it looks like. It just looks like The Last of Us to me. Um, Flippin' Cactus, some 8-bit cactus game. Source of Madness, May 11th. It's a smart delivery game on Series X. It looks like a whirlwind of energy moving in a background, a PS1-looking background. Airy and New Frontier, it's out now. It's Xbox One X Enhanced. And Dog's Donuts, which shows a PC cursor on this Xbox game. Looks like a game that's in development. Get a Grip Chip, May 12th. It looks like a DSiWare. Get a Grip Chip and Body Bugs. looks like a sequel that's coming out along with the first one. Infinite Links, May 12th. looks like a JRPG that's coming out at a bad time because Euden Chronicles. Paratopic comes out May 12th. This literally looks like it's mimicking a PlayStation 1 art style, which is cool, but is anybody really nostalgic for that terrible terrible graphic performance? Uh, Tourist Bus Simulator, May 12th. These games just keep happening. I, I would love to drive that off a cliff and away from Orlando so that the roads stay clear. And Evil Dead, the game, is actually now out. Oh, my God, on this Friday. Optimized for Series X and S. I really wish this were a single-player narrative-driven game. I would love this game so much. But, of course, it's another one of those fucking co-op PvP horror games like Dead by Daylight. 
So instead of enjoying it, I just get to skip it over. But good for those looking forward to it. Radon Break is available May 13th. Wow, isn't Friday such a day? Actually, that game looks pretty damn cool. It's a brick breaker. I like the art style a lot. Might actually check it out. But that's it for all the new games this week. As a reminder for May, our games with gold. We do have four titles. Yoku's Island Express, which I hear great things about. is available all month. As And then also the Inner World Last Wind Monk, Monk is available from May 16th to June 15th. So wait on that, babe. Hydro Thunder Hurricane is available till May 15th, so download it now while you can. And then for the rest of May, on the second half of May, you got Viva Pinata Party Animals, an Xbox 360 classic. Make sure you download it. But guys, I my voice is shot. It is gone. Let's end this podcast now while we have the chance. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for the support. As always, 920 subscribers on YouTube. Thank you guys for the support. We're on, our, on the road to 1,000. Um, rate the show on iTunes. Rate the show on Spotify. Say only nice things. Compliment me. Talk about how clear my pee is becoming the more I drink water. It's very nice of you. And until next time, guys, have a great week. Stay safe. Take care of yourselves. Empower your dreams. Watch your step and please be safe. And it's a long way to go till we get home. And piece by piece, I took it slow. And I found myself outside your door. It's just too much to take And I've fallen away from you